friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I want to first start out by saying Happy New Year and for taking the time to listen to our podcast, of course. Um, Before we begin and get into the content for today, I want to say thank you and that we're really grateful to everyone who took the time out of your day over the last year to listen to our podcast and to download um, the the podcast on whatever device that you use. Um, I never thought in a million years that when we launched the podcast back in March of 2023 that we would have over 1,400 downloads in less than a year. Um, So we're really, really thankful for that. And not only are we thankful for that, uh, for the amount of downloads, but we also were looking and and we've gone into places like Canada and Brazil and the UK and Germany. So we're really, really appreciative of you taking the time to share this with someone. Um, We're hoping that something that we say on this podcast will encourage you along the way and that we can share the story that we have with you and then in return you share your story with us Um, I want to invite you to like and follow us on Facebook you can find us at Coenology Podcast you can also find us at www.coenology.podbean.com as well as on all of your favorite podcasting apps like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and even Amazon Music so I know that everyone has set out to accomplish that New Year's resolution today right? So you've just made it through 365 days of 2023, and here it is, day one of 2024. So my question for you is, what are you going to do with it? What's your vision for this year? What's your goals that you want to accomplish this year? Did you join the gym today? Are you planning on starting a new Bible study or a devotion? Did you tell yourself that you're going to do things different this year than you did last year? Does it actually feel like a fresh start? I hope you realize that today is a fresh start and that you have the opportunity to change your mindset. The only thing that has to change in order for a New Year's resolution to become a New Year revelation is your mindset. For your New Year goals to actually become a part of the lifestyle that you want to live, it's going to require you to change your mindset. In reality, all a New Year's resolution is, is basically you telling yourself that you want to be better than what you were or what you are. You want to look better than what you do. You want to live better than the way that you live. You want to start being on time because you hate being late. You want to be organized because you hate being unorganized. You want to start being a better friend because you realize that you aren't so good at messaging people back not going to say any names there, but you know who you are. <laughs> a study that was done by Forbes magazine says that the most common New Year's resolutions are to improve your fitness, to improve your finances, to improve your mental health, to travel more, to meditate more, to drink less alcohol, to stop smoking, to perform better at your job, to learn a new skill. But if you look at that list, do you see a pattern? Your New Year's resolution is your innermost desire to live better to become a better version of yourself. However, the reality is that it's not possible until you change your mindset. If you don't change your mindset, then your January 1st will look just like your December 31st. The only way to change your mindset is to actually have an internal revelation, to realize who you are, to step into an identity in Christ and who God created you to be. He created you and designed you with a purpose. And by knowing that and understanding that, you find that inner motivation that's actually needed to continue being the best version of yourself. And that's what brings me to talk about what I want to talk about with you today on the podcast. Over the next several episodes, I want to take a, a journey with you into the lives of the disciples. The foundation of this is going to come from the book 12 Ordinary Men by John MacArthur. So if you want to follow along and grab that book, you're more than welcome to. And one of the reasons why I wanted to start with this is because the journey of the disciples and who they are as individuals is our journey. We see that they become individuals of greatness by starting out as just ordinary. They became better versions of themselves. We're able to see how they were shaped by Christ and they started to step into their purpose and doing what they were called to do and what their greater purpose was in life. And that should be your goal, to be the best version of yourself, to be an improved you. By stepping into your purpose and your calling in life, 
then you're able to actually see that you're more than what you're be you're currently being in life. You're actually able to see that your purpose is more than just waking up and going to work. Your purpose is more than just living a mundane life, right? So if you take a moment and think about the lives of the disciples, they're pretty familiar to us. They're just like us. They're people that we want to know because they spark our interest. And the reason they spark our interest is because we can identify with them. When you read through the word of God, when they respond to the, and interact with Jesus the way that they did and with one another, then we see ourselves. We see that they're very approachable. We can identify with many of their faults. And the reason why is because they were what's called ordinary. Not one of them was a, a world-renowned scholar. Not one of them was known for having a high level of education. They weren't theologians. In fact, they were considered outsiders. They didn't fit in, especially in the church. So I want to start out by letting someone know that you don't have to fit in with the church. I spent so many years of my life trying to fit in with what the church said was the right thing to do and what the people of the church say what you should do and should not do. And that will wear you out. They were not super talented individuals. They did not have profound intellectual abilities. In fact, they were more prone to making mistakes and misspeaking. They had the wrong attitude about things. They had lapses in their faith, which meant that they had moments where their faith was actually less than their fear. And their fear was more than their faith. They had moments of bitter failure. In Luke 24 and 25, it says, And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Jesus straight up called them slow. Being slow of heart, being slow to understand, not being fast-paced and, and getting it right away, right? Do you ever feel that way in your life? Do you ever feel like you just don't get it right away? You don't understand something immediately. The disciples were from all walks of life. One was a former zealot which is a group of radicals who were determined to overthrow the Roman government, the Roman rule. Another one was a tax collector, which is basically someone who would have been considered a traitor to the Jewish nation, being in collusion with Rome, collecting taxes. At least four of them, possibly up to seven of them that we know of, were fishermen, and they were from the area of Capernaum, meaning that they were probably familiar with one another. They probably knew one another. The others, the, the others had different trades and craftsmen. They were, they were just ordinary jobs. They weren't anything special on the scale of working. And we're not told what they did exactly before they become followers of Christ. All of the disciples, you know, the Bible is not a biography. It doesn't give the life of each individual. But we know through studying that um, we don't have a lot of information on what they did. So can you see the insignificance to what their career would have been in their culture so they didn't feel in their careers as though they were anybody special do you ever feel like your place of work what you do on a day-to-day -day basis is insignificant it's not something that anybody would really look up to to do do you ever feel like you don't make an impact on the world you just go to work you just go to make a paycheck and then you go home but I want you to consider going into 2024 the 12 disciples and what it means for your life what it means how can it reflect back into your life as an individual with all of their faults with all of their character flaws and as ordinary as they were they carried on the ministry of Christ and left an impact on this world they were effective they were intentional and there were only 12 of them now, of course, the Bible speaks of many other disciples along with them, but I'm referring to just the 12 that we see in scriptures with Jesus, following and walking with him. Those are the ones we can get a clear identity to whom we are in ourselves and why we, we really resonate with them so much. So the work of the 12 ordinary disciples continues to influence us today. We live in the culture 
of church and belief and faith that is founded upon what they started during their time and what they progressed during their time. They were empowered to spread the gospel throughout the world. In Acts 17 and 6 it says, And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Can you imagine being known as a nobody in your culture and then going and following along with Jesus and becoming known as someone who turns the world upside down? That's who I want to talk to today. Being ordinary meant that they were just like me and you. Sometimes we can see those who have made an impact in this world around us. We get the news all the time. Those who may be considered successful, those who might seem as though they have it all together in life, but we forget that they're just ordinary people. These were ordinary men who became the instruments that that were able to be used to carry the gospel across the world. That's why they fascinate us, because we resonate with them. We identify with them. And even though they were ordinary, they were effective. Is that not what you want to be in your life? Do you not want to be effective? Are you not wanting to take your life to the next level and leave a lasting impact and a lasting impression wherever you go? Do you not want to be the best version of yourself? If we look into their lives, the first thing that we have to understand about the disciples is that they were personally selected. They were personally called by Christ. John 15 and 16 says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. This, this gives us an insight into the fact that he knew them individually only as the creator could know them. In John 1 and 47, we have an interesting story here. It says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and he said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. How would he know there's no deceit in Nathanael other than he was the creator of Nathaniel. He knows us inside and out. You have to realize that who you are as an individual, the person that you are when no one else is looking, the person that you really are, is who God knows you to be. This means that he knew all of their faults. He knew all of their good, their bad, their ugly. He knew all of their skeletons in their closet, and yet he still chose them. This means that he knows all of your faults and he still makes the choice to call you and give you purpose here on earth. And yes, he even knew Judas, the Judas that we know as the one that betrayed. In John 6 and 70, it says, Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the 12? And yet one of you is a devil. That's powerful. Even though he knew he would betray him, he chose him anyways, and he gave him all of the same privileges and blessings. In all of their mess, in all of their unfascinating characteristics, while they were still ordinary and nothing impressive, he chose them. So I want you to think about this. The gospel that we know it today the founding of the church itself, the, the movement of belief and faith in Jesus Christ was placed on 12 men whose most outstanding characteristic was the fact that they were ordinary. They were chosen by Christ, but they were ordinary. They were trained and taught by him for a very short amount of time. It wasn't a long, drawn-out process. It was a short amount of time, estimated to be about 18 months of training, less time than it takes to get a college degree to get today. And, and he taught them scriptures and theology. He taught them what it meant to live right and, and what it meant to pray and forgive and, and to serve others with humility. He gave them all of this instruction. He spoke to them about things that would come. He employed them as his instruments to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to do a miraculous work. 
and at their very best, they were ordinary. When it was all said and done, when the intensive schedule of discipleship was over, when they had gone through that entire process, on the night of Jesus' betrayal, not one of them, but all of them, forsook him and they fled. Matthew 26 and 56 says, But all this has taken place, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then all the disciples left him and they fled. So from our perspective, when we look at it, it would look as if all of the effort and the training and the time and energy that was put into them being disciples was a failure. This is where I want to take a moment and I want to look at this and and for just a moment, I want you to look at yourself and say, how often do I feel as though I've failed at something? When we fail, we want to give up. We want to walk away. And then we take that New Year's resolution that we're working on and, and we make it a short amount of time and we fail and then we give up and we go back to the old way of doing things. And we do that over and over and over again. It seemed as if the disciples had forgotten and ignored everything that Christ had taught them about picking up that cross and following him. But isn't that just like us? Yes, Lord, we'll pick up the cross and we're going to hold on to it and we're going to follow you. But you're getting turned into the government and this isn't what we expected. So bye. We're going to follow you to a certain point. We're going to do it up until we're no longer comfortable and then we'll stop they stepped into a season of feeling like a failure because they knew what they had done and their feeling of failure was so profound that they went back to their old jobs they went back to doing what they were doing when Christ found them they stepped into a season feeling like a failure And they went back to doing what they were doing when Christ found them. They went back to fishing. They went back to doing the old ways. So you were doing good and you failed. So you went back to your old ways. But this is profound. If we look in John chapter 21 verses 3 through 4. Their failure followed them. So they failed and felt like failures at you know, staying with Christ whenever he was turned over to the government there and, and he was betrayed against. And they, they walked away. The, the Bible says that they fled and they felt like failures for doing that, but their failures followed them. Have you ever felt like your failure follows you? John 21, 3 through 4, it says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. He literally says, I'm going fishing. We know he's a fisherman. And they said, we'll go with you. And they went out and they got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. The fishermen who knew fishing caught nothing. But the Bible says just as day was breaking, Jesus stood there on the shore and yet the disciples did not know who it was. I love this so much because they went back to doing what they knew how to do and still could not do it right. Even though they had betrayed him, even though they'd walked away from him, even though that they started that Bible study devotion and they failed, and even though they started that New Year resolution and they failed, and even though they were trying to do it again, Lord, and they failed, he came to them. He came and found them again, doing what they were doing when he called them. In their moment of failure, he came to them and he did what? He encouraged them. And in this encouragement, they returned to their calling. Sometimes you just need an encouragement. And that's what I want to do today. I want to start off on the first day of 2024 with a reminder to you that you still have purpose. You still have calling. I don't care what you did. I don't care how you did it. I don't care who you did it with. You still have purpose and you still have calling. And it's through this encouragement and then the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that they are moved to the next level. All of that training they went through didn't go to waste. All of the years of walking with Christ were not for nothing.
All of the miles that they had walked in their little Jerusalem cruiser sandals were not wasted. All of your past experiences are not wasted on your future potential. You just need a little encouragement. They were living proof that God's strength is made perfect in weakness. You see, they were not sufficient in themselves to complete anything. And you need to understand that today. You are not sufficient in yourself to do anything in its entirety and completeness. You need to realize that you can set every single New Year resolution that you want to, but without the Holy Spirit leading you and empowering you and guiding you to become the next version of yourself, you will fail. So let this year be different. Tell God you need the Holy Spirit to be all up in your business. That you don't want to do a New Year's nothing without the Holy Spirit. Bump New Year, New Me. I don't want to do nothing. I don't want to do old year. I don't want to do yesterday. I don't want to do tomorrow. I don't want to do next week. I don't want to do anything without the Holy Spirit. In their failures and their flaws, in the ordinary life that they had, in their mess of messes, Yet he comes again and finds them and brings them what they needed most, encouragement and empowerment. And that's what you need today is you need encouragement and you need empowerment. If you actually want to make this year different, then you need encouragement and you need empowerment. I want you to consider this. There were only 12 disciples. Their backgrounds were boring they were mundane. They had regular jobs and they only had about 18 months of training to do this monumental task that they were given. And one of the most profound miracles in this entire story is that there was no plan B. There was no second option. There was no second string. There was not a second set of disciples just in case the first set didn't work out. Their calling was their calling. Their purpose was their purpose. Your calling is your calling and your purpose is your purpose. And it does not belong to someone else. And that sounds like a big risk to place this huge responsibility, Lord, on, on just these 12 ordinary people. The founding of the church and the spreading of the gospel all around this world, and it, it was placed on 12 ordinary people. But this only proves to us what we should already believe, that Christ knows exactly what he's doing. You see, from his divine perspective, the ultimate success of this strategy didn't depend anything on them at all. It depended upon the Holy Spirit working in them and through them to accomplish their purpose and their calling. It's through the Holy Spirit that guides us and leads us to walk in the will of God. If we will just realize that they were his instruments. So that's exactly what you and I are. We are instruments. And he desires to use the ordinary, not the extravagant, just the ordinary. I want you to look in the scripture with me. First Corinthians 1, 27 to 29. But God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. He chose what was foolish in this world to shame the wise, to blow their mind. God chose what is weak in this world to shame the strong. Notice the opposites there, weak and strong, foolish and wise. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring noth nothing, to bring nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God, so that no human being not one might boast in the presence of God, meaning that your success and your New Year resolution is going to have nothing to do with you if you do it right. It will have everything to do with the glory of God. You say, well, it's about me and my finances. 
It's about me and my weight loss journey. It's about me and, and me traveling more and me and me having access to more in life. Yes, you are correct. And without him, there will be nothing that you will be successful at. If you build it up, it will fall. But if you build it up with him, it will not. The 12 ordinary men are called disciples. And we know through scripture and reading that this term is used over and over and over again. And it simply means to be a student, to be a learner. Part of you going to your next level of yourself will depend on your willingness to become a student. You have to realize that you don't know everything. I have to realize that I don't know everything. And sometimes you have to be taught. You have to become the student in order to be taught. It's later that we find them called apostles. And in this text, apostles means to be a messenger. We know that their purpose and their message was to take the gospel around the world. But notice they become apostles after they become disciples. The apostle is the next level of the disciple. Your next level is going to require that you step into a season of learning first. You're going to need to learn some new habits. You're going to need to learn about what it is that you're setting out to accomplish in that goal. You can't open a business if you don't know anything about business. You will fail. You actually cannot lose weight if you don't know anything about losing weight you will fail. It is okay to realize that I don't really know what I'm doing, so I need to learn some new habits. They were called to do something, and then they were equipped to do it. You don't have to wait on the equipment to step into your calling. You've already been given everything that you need through Christ and through the Holy Spirit. So let's look at some scriptures in, in Matthew 10 and 1. It says that he called them his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. In Mark 6 and 7, it says, and he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. And he called the 12 in Luke chapter 9, verse 1 through 2, he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. We see these scriptures and we, we need to understand that they, were come, they, they had come together and they were equipped to do their calling and then they were sent out to do their calling. Your next level doesn't have to wait on any outside resource. Your next level of you can begin right now and the only thing that you need to make it happen is to invite the Holy Spirit into your life and ask the Holy Spirit to completely take over the process. So when we look at the journey of the 12, we have a few things. We have the timing. We have the 12 themselves. We have the teacher, the task, and the training. Timing is very important in anything. You might feel as though that this is the year where it all comes together. This is the time. This 2024 is the right time, right? And that may certainly be the case because in years past, you weren't ready. You have to forgive that what has not happened yet has not happened for a reason. It wasn't the right time. You see, the life of Christ in the Gospels is given to us in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but you, you don't see a lot of detail to his life because it wasn't the timing that was needed for the Gospels. We, don't, we only see a little bit of his life as a baby, at 12 years old, teaching in the temple, and then the majority of the scripture takes place for the last few years of his life. The timing of your le next level is important and it's something that you have to be okay with. Stop giving yourself a hard time because you haven't yet done it, because it hasn't happened yet. There's no better time than right now and there's no better year than this year. There's no better day than today. 
You see, the number 12 was really significant, and it was very strategic. It had a lot of representation. It represents God's authority. It represents complete government. But in reality, when we look at these 12, it also represents that in its completeness and in its entirety, none of them met the standard to do what they did. None of us are fit to be in God's kingdom. Not one of us is worthy to be in God's service. That's why it's so profound that he would choose these ordinary individuals, the 12, because it shows that you don't have to do anything special. You don't have to be born into the right family. You don't have to be born into wealth. You don't have to have the highest degrees and the highest grades. You don't have to inherit millions of dollars to go to the next level. You just have to be willing to answer the call. For Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you don't feel as though you sin, then you should probably just not listen to this podcast anymore (laughs) because it is abundantly clear that we all do. Not one of us is perfect. Every one of us falls short. And that goes true all the way back to the disciples. Romans 3 and 10 says, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. This holier-than-thou mentality is really, really, really starting to become abundantly clear in this culture that we live in today. And churches in particular have to be careful with how they address individuals in their righteousness. We can love them, and holiness still is a thing. But it's our attitude behind it that we need to be careful of. None of us are perfect. Not one of us. Paul writes in Romans 7 and 18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. Can you say that? (laughs) For I know that not one thing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Interesting. In 1 Timothy 1 and 15, it says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. I am the greatest sinner, is what is being written there. The fact that we refer to the twelve and the very nature of their ordinary quality gives us nothing more than testimony that they were selected as being unworthy and unqualified. They were exactly who God wanted to use. They were like Elijah, a man with a nature like our very own, as it says in James 5 and 17. It says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. That doesn't say anything about Elijah going to church every time the doors are open. That doesn't say anything about Elijah making sure he reads the Bible all the way through. It doesn't say anything like that. It says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So you put that in perspective. Elijah was a man just like you. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it didn't rain. That's a prayer answered. A big one at that. They did not rise up to being effective in carrying out the gospel because they were different than us. Their transformation into these vessels of honor was solely based on the hand of the potter. We oftentimes can become discouraged and disheartened in our spiritual life and we feel this sense of failure and we refer to ourselves as nobodies and and we're a nothing and we get so down and out about it. But here's hope. All of that is true. That is absolutely true. You are a nobody and a nothing, but there's good news in that because... Through Christ, you become a somebody and a something. And it is the worthless nobodies that are just the kind of people that God wants to use. 
It's the least of these that he desires to use. It's the place that you're in right now. He's not waiting on you to get to a certain level before he'll use you. He's not waiting on you to get to a certain level before he'll love you and take you to the next level. He desires to take you right now where you are. So let's look at him as the teacher. We've got the the timing and the 12 and now we have the teacher. As the teacher... It became the top priority of his of Christ to train these ordinary men to carry the gospel around the world. So how did he choose them? What gave him the indication to choose them? What did he do when he chose them? Well, the first thing we see is is that he went off to commune with with the Father. He went to pray. In Luke 6 and 12, it says, In these days he went out into the mountain area to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. We can see that prayer is definitely a priority in the life of Jesus. And I, I've said this before, but if it's a priority in the life of Jesus, then it, it better be a priority in my life. Because if Jesus needed to pray, then how much more should we be praying? We see that he prays in anticipation of crucial events in his ministry. If you're wanting to start out a New Year's resolution, you should might pair it with some praying. If you'll remember that that's what he was doing on the night of his betrayal in the garden when he was praying, Father, let this cup pass from me. He's praying at this crucial event in his life. I want to encourage you to put prayer in your plan for this year. Consider praying about your New Year's resolution. Pray about the next level in your life. Don't just hopelessly think on it. Yes, you can pray about finances. You can pray about weight loss journey. You can pray about not smoking anymore, not drinking anymore. You can pray about having the motivation and the encouragement to do those things in your life. We need to embrace the fact that if we're going to take our life to the next level, then we're going to have to become students to the teacher and in order to do that we model what the teacher is saying and doing we put prayer in our life because prayer was in his life we have to be taught by the one that knows best we have to cultivate a working relationship with him you do not take swimming lessons from someone who does not know how to swim by by stepping into your next level, you need to surround yourself with people that know better and know more than you do so that you are constantly learning. You will become what you hang out with. So let's look at the task that they were given. In Mark 3 and 14, it says, And he appointed the twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. It was absolutely critical that they be with Jesus before they were sent out to accomplish their task. So I want you to think of whatever your New Year resolution is. And I want you to put being with Jesus before you start that. That's crucial in everything that you do. You spend time with Jesus before you go out and accomplish what you're wanting to accomplish. You, you, if you want to put the gym in your life on a daily basis as part of your living better new year, new you, then you need to put spending time with Jesus before you go to the gym. Your motivation to be a better you can only come from the one that created you. So spending time with him only enables you to complete the task of becoming a better you. You cannot accomplish anything without spending time with the Creator and be effective at it. In Luke 9 and 1 it says, And he called the twelve together and he gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. It's during their time together with him that they were given the empowerment to complete the task. Your motivation should come with your moments that you spend with God. Your empowerment, your motivation, your strength to keep doing it can only come when you spend time with Him. So let's look at the training process. They're with their teacher and they're given the task, but they have to be taught first. We have to get to the level that we're teachable. Are you a teachable individual? Some people just are not teachable right away. 
They have to be molded and shaped into someone that can be teachable. You have to take humility on when you're going to be teachable. If you're not teachable, then more than likely you're, you're traveling from one thing to the next in your life trying to find purpose and trying to accomplish that big thing and, and trying to be that next individual, that somebody, and you're falling short every single time because you're not teachable. We are not experts in everything that we do. The 12 individuals left their jobs that they were experts in. The Bible says they abandoned their nets. They left what they were good at. And they walked away from it. They left the level of comfort and they stepped into something that they were going to need training in. They took the challenge to grow. This next level and this next season in your life is a season of growth. But it's not going to be possible without you stepping into a level of training process and becoming teachable. You have to leave what's comfortable for you in order to become teachable. You've got to step into 2024 with the reality that you're not going to be an expert in your New Year resolution. If you were an expert in it, it wouldn't be a New Year resolution. You would have already done it. They were going to listen to Jesus and have to walk with him and ask him questions and see how he dealt with people. They were encouraged along the way by him and with one another. And be sure to surround yourself with people that will encourage you along the way. He instructed them very, very clearly along the way, but he did so with patience. You need to make sure that you're being instructed by someone with patience. You cannot rush this process. This process is not going to be easy. Whatever it is that you're setting out to do for 2024, it is not going to be easy. Because if it was easy, again, you would have already done it. It's going to take work. It's going to challenge you. It's going to hurt in some instances. It's going to be the cutting away of yourself, the becoming less of you and more of something else to be molded and shaped into what you're wanting to be. The Bible says that they were hard-headed. Now I can talk to people like me. I'm hard-headed. I can talk to baby people like you. If you're listening and you're hard-headed, this is for you. The Bible says in Matthew 15, verses 16 to 17, he said, Are you also still without understanding? Meaning, are you serious? You still don't understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and then expelled. Can you not get that process of how simple this is? What goes in must come out type situation whenever he's sitting there explaining scriptures and living out life and he's asking them, do you still not get it? So why was this so difficult? I want you to ask yourself, why has it been difficult for you to accomplish your resolution? Why is it a resolution, first of all? Why is it that this becomes such a challenge for us to break our old habits in our life? Why are we so lack of discipline, Lord? Why do we keep setting the same goal over and over and over, but the process is so hard that we give up? Well, when we look at the disciples, maybe you can find insight within yourself. The first reason is that they lacked spiritual understanding. They were slow to hear and slow to understand. They were oftentimes dull and thick-headed and they were blinded to the truth. You see, if you really knew the truth, and the truth being that if you were at your best version of yourself, you would be so effective that others would be impacted by your story then nothing would have stopped you from accomplishing it. If you knew the impact that you would have on this world, if you were the best version of you, you'd be going after it and you would have already accomplished it. So the first thing we have to do is, Lord, let me pray for insight into myself. Let me see me through your eyes. Let me see what you have planned for me. But we can become blinded to those things oftentimes. Here's the grace in that. 
I want you to look at what Jesus responds to them in with his uh, with his response to their hard-headedness, if you will. So the way he responded to them being hard-headed, how did he respond to their lack of understanding? I love this. He just kept teaching them. He simply just kept teaching them. Even after his resurrection, he had already taught them and taught them and taught them. And then and he goes and he fulfills his purpose. And, and he's standing after his resurrection in Acts 1 verse 3. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. He still continued to teach about the kingdom of God even after. After he had already suffered and died and been resurrected. He was still teaching them until the moment that he ascended into heaven. And even today, through the sending of the Holy Spirit, he's still teaching us if we will listen. The second issue that they had was that, and it made it so difficult for them to learn, was that they, they lacked humility. They were self-absorbed, self-centered. They were self-promoting and they were proud. Is that you? Why are you doing what you want to accomplish this year? Is it self-centered? The disciples spent an, an enormous amount of time arguing with one another about who would be the greatest among them. So how does Jesus combat this? How does he overcome their lack of humility? By continuing to be the example of humility to them. You need to refer back to the example from time to time of how we should be acting to remind you that this this isn't about you. Even though this New Year resolution is all self-centered about you, what is the ultimate goal of your life? What are you ultimately looking to set out and accomplish for your life? He shows them humility by continuing to wash their feet. He models servanthood to them. He humbled himself even unto death and unto the cross. So the third challenge that we have in them is that they lacked faith. Now I know this bothers the religious folks when we start talking about their lack of faith. But oftentimes we don't want to admit when we have lack of faith. Four times in the Gospel of Matthew alone, Jesus tells them you lack faith. So what did he do to combat this? He kept doing miracles. Your lack of faith does not stop him from doing miracles. As a matter of fact, it only is the miracle that will increase your faith. And if we look in the Bible, the miracles were done deliberately in front of the disciples so that their faith would be strengthened. In John chapter 20, verse 30, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Their faith being lack can only be combated by the miracles that they see take place. Don't miss miracles in your life that are there to increase your faith. We don't need any more lack of faith in the world that we're in today. We need an increase. And so if there's miracles taking place in your life day after day after day, then you want to make sure that you're paying attention to those. The fourth issue is that they lacked commitment. I could stay here for the rest of the evening, but uh, we lack commitment. In the world that we live in today, we don't even like to stand in line and commit our time to standing in line for longer than five or ten minutes. We we don't like to commit ourselves to uh, one task or another task. And we want what's called freedom, right? When we look at the disciples, they lacked commitment. It's fine and I'll commit until it gets hard. You see, when the crowds were cheering and the miracles are taking place, they were thrilled. But as soon as the soldier come into the garden to arrest Jesus, they forsake him and they flee. So how does Jesus combat their lack of commitment? He intercedes and he prays for them. In John chapter 17, it records how he prayed that they would remain faithful. And lastly, they lacked power. You see, on their own, they were weak. On your own, you're weak. Without the Holy Spirit in your life, you will not 
ever go to the next level. So what does this mean? When we look at this ordinary group of people that we see so much of ourselves in, we can't help but wonder, why in the world would Jesus not just choose somebody else? Why would you take somebody that needs so much work, Lord? Why would he single out men with no understanding, no humility, no faith, no commitment, no power? It's simple. The Bible says that his strength is made perfect in weakness. Your ability to step into the next level of living for yourself is not going to be based on you at all. It's going to be because his strength has been made perfect in your weakness. He chooses the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. You see, you cannot do it on your own. When they said you can't do it, when they said that you've, you've watched it over and over and over and you failed and you failed and you failed, when they have watched you do that, when other people have looked upon you and seen, wow, you've tried to stop doing that over and over and over again. Wow, you've really and truly started to do that every single year for the last five years and you failed every single time. The reason that you fail over and over and over is because you can't do it in your strength. This next level of living in yourself is only going to be because of the glory of God. Who you are and who are you who you're becoming will be centered around him and him only. Your purpose and your walk in this calling that he's placed on your life can only be centered around him. There's going to be no human explanation for the next season of your life, and that's exactly the way he wants it. There's not going to be a remedy or a reason or a rhyme or anything like that other than the fact that you surrendered yourself to the one that created you and you stepped into a new level of being his creation. So I want to encourage you and leave you with this encouragement and, and let you know that 2024 can be different. Invite the Holy Spirit into your plans and into your purpose. I want to thank you for listening and I, I pray that this year is one that is different from you. One that is you stepping into your purpose and, and you stepping into the next level of you. I pray that you realize that right where you are is exactly where he needs you to be in order to begin your next level of living. Here's to the next level of you.